Please pronounce your name correctly for me. Hi, my name is Maritel, but you can call me Mary. It's half of the name and it's easier for everybody to understand. And you are here, we are recording this at the Positions Art Fair in Berlin, so you're going to hear lots of room noise, whether I can edit it or not. And you run a gallery from Catalonia. That's right, yes. So tell us a little bit about the gallery. Projectoria Art Gallery, it's a Barcelona-based gallery like the brick and mortar gallery is a small venue in Barcelona in the city center. We are focused on photography based contemporary art projects and in, we're soon going to be three years old. Oh, so you're very new then. Okay. Yes. All right. Babies. So, well, one of the questions I always have is how do people come into the arts? Like, you know, are you born into a family of artists and no. you do this? Like, so like, how did you, what is your life path? What did your parents do? What was your education? Mm -hmm. So how did you get to the point of opening an art gallery? So not at all from an old family generations of galleries. No, no, no. It was more uh, the result of a life-changing decision that I think actually had always been in myself but I never dared to to do it and at a certain point I decided to give it a try. Uh, my parents, well, well my mother was a teacher, my father was a journalist. I grew up, yeah, I grew up in a middle, middle class, a completely normal family but with a kind of sensitivity for art what we've always liked. Okay, so there was a little bit of family, yeah. creativity, support for creativity. Support, yeah, let's say support for arts, visiting museums mm -hmm. and having like lithographies at home. There never, never was like a big collection or something like that, but this, um, yeah, kind of uh, interest, yeah, I can say that. Okay, and so if you don't mind telling the story, what's this life-changing thing that brought yes. you to running a gallery? Well, the thing is, that when, I, when, when I was a teenager, it was a time I had to choose what I wanted to do with my life, like choosing a college and everything. I wasn't sure at all. So I just went for what I thought it was the easiest for me. Oh, sure. I, I started as a psychology major. Okay. And then yeah. I went to a Native American studies major. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up in fine arts. So, so I totally get it. Kind of uh, this kind of thing. I majored in English philology, so literature, language, and, and history. And then I came to Germany for there's this thing in Europe called Erasmus. In right. Yeah. Study abroad. Yeah. yeah. That's for, for one year or half a uh, year. Exchange students oftentimes. That's it. Yeah. And I went when I came to Germany for, for, for a first semester because I started studying Germany back then. And I thought, if not in Germany, you're never be able to speak German because it's so difficult. Absolutely. Yeah. Being uh, immersed in a culture will help you with a language. Like, that's and that's nothing completely else. right. It's the only way actually, or almost the only way because there were no uh, YouTubers back then where you could uh, learn. I this would kind not of be things, able to learn a language from <laughs> that, like YouTube and I all know that. Like, people who have done that and seriously? I really admire them. Well, nowadays it's way more easy, way easier to be surrounded by the language all the time if you want to. You can sure. you can listen to radio stations from that country or in that language yeah, or watch nice TV or, or even a Netflix, put it on an original version or in other languages. But back then it wasn't that easy. So when, when you're saying back then, when are we talking? Like the 20 years ago. Then, well, I realized that here in Germany, people way, were older than I was at, for the same level of studies. Because here they, they study... Well, they are in, in high school one year longer and then they most of them take a year off or have to go to the army service or whatever. So I was wow, I yeah, never I, thought about that. I was like kind of towards the end of my, my degree and they were starting. So I thought, okay, maybe if I should continue studying, I could come here and I would be like the same age as everyone and it would be great. So two years later, I came to study my master's here. Mm -hmm. I majored in cultural sciences and that's a thing that's cultural a thing. sciences cultural sciences it's a Kulturwissenschaft and well the the master was called master of european studies and was a compilation of uh, law uh, business management and cultural sciences which so it was a, all of that sounds perfectly relevant to the arts actually it is indeed and i'm not the person who can focus only on one thing 
and just go to screw it, to squeeze it. So I like to learn from many things and at the same time. So it was perfect because I could pick up subjects from many different sure. fields. We're all and, uh, influenced by everything, it. basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when I was here, I did an internship in a theater and in, in events. And then afterwards, I got another in scholarship from the European Union to do an internship in France. And there I went to an art residence in, in a very small village, one hour away from Paris. Wait, so you worked at an art residency? Yes, but I, I, in the management. I mean, not, not as an artist because I'm, I've never been an artist, but I've always have been surrounded by art and I've always loved it. I am utterly fascinated by artist <laughs> residencies. Like they see, feel like this like magical unicorn thing that mm -hmm. are just damn near impossible to participate <laughs> that was in. was a, a really, really cool place. I, I tell you, this, this was this 200 inhabitants little village. Oh, and it I was thought you were going to say 200 inhabitants in the artist residency. No, no, I'm no, like, no, oh no, my no. God. <laughs> no, I think the, there were like six or seven ateliers, so studios for artists that right. would come there and have a place to stay and a place to work. And then there was a gallery of the residents and it was mostly funded by UNESCO or I oh, remember, okay. and, and the French government. And it was wow. really idyllic, you know, like by the river Seine was, was beautiful. And for me, a good experience because we had to try. Give me some great story of the administrative back end of, of, a, of an artist residency, because mm -hmm. I, I'm an artist and mm -hmm. I'm a teacher and all these things. And I see it from the end of like of applying to it. And so it's always this very intimidating, scary process because they mm -hmm. don't give you a lot of information they don't give you a lot of knowledge you you apply and the answer is either yes or no and that's it yes and it depends on the residents and on the what they have had before what they are looking for i mean right when i arrived they were taking the decision for the unesco ashberg uh, scholarship that year and the previous year there had there has been a, a writer from new york and then for the next year it was a painter from i don't know where so it's really so Depending in the on end, the, it's yeah. just up to the judges and the, in, the in that director. Case, yeah, in that yeah. particular case, yeah. I mean, there were no 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 fills to fulfill or something like that. It was had to an artist, a portfolio, and and then they decided upon their taste what, and their. So, know. what kind of role did you hold there? I was the assistant to the management and communication, and one of well, I was there for six months, and one of the things we did was establish relationship with uh, different embassies in Paris. So they could support artists to come to the residence and then... Okay, so foreign embassies yes. in Paris. Okay, mm -hmm. I got you. And then the communication for the exhibitions and for the for the artist works. And then there was another part that I wasn't not so much into it, that were these pedagogical uh, workshops for school children from the area that were told and got to know the artists. Outreach, education, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Okay, and so you went from that to? To, to, to a very, well, not full, not so fulfilling position in, in Barcelona. But yeah, you know, I was young, I needed money and I found that job and I entered there, started there thinking it would not be forever. And then after three years, I actually quit to go traveling around the world, thinking that then I wouldn't go back there. But then when I came back from this round the world trip, they asked me to co come back again. And it was in the middle. And this is the residency. No, 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 no. This was this boring job. That I boring told job you, that we're not going to talk about, about what it is. It. Okay, I got it. I was in marketing. And, and then I, it was in the middle of the financial crisis. It was really hard to find jobs in that sure. way in, in that moment and I decided okay you go back there and then when things are clearer we'll see and that's what I did like four or five years later when I got into this uh, middle life crisis and say what am I doing here I never wanted to stay here for so long I but... had the same thing I, I decided to create a podcast <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. See? now here we are yeah, I know. There you go. <laughs> so then yeah there was this uh, reflection time what am i going to do with my life what do i who am i what do i really want to do will i'll be will i ever be able to do it and well then i decided that i wanted to to try it as a gallerist a because i'm not an artist but i like art mm -hmm. and because i think that uh, supporting art is one of the most beautiful things you can do and 
and here we are. <laughs> well, you, you seem to have the background, like the business background. I heard marketing in there. Like you've got a lot of the things that gallerists need to have. This is something I discovered afterwards. It you was, didn't know that. I, I, uh, you know, there's no one degree for a gallerist in the university. There should be. That, there, there that some is a great now. thing that mm -hmm. should be created. There is something like that at Sotheby's Art Institute in London and New York. Really? And thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I've heard about these. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's it's funny because, well, I, I, I did my research and I, I'm a very, I don't know, a cautious person. And then I, before I did, I read everything I could about it. I listened and watched all the videos and and then had this feeling of, yeah, well, you, you're never going to make it because every, everybody seems to know so much about it and you're the newbie here and how is it going to be? But then when, when you overcome these fears that are only in your mind, it's actually then you talk to other people and they they're on the same page. So oh, yeah. Self-doubt, self... Self-confidence? Uh, self... <laughs> no, really. I, was, I was going the opposite way <laughs> okay, with yeah, it, yeah. actually. Self, self, self... Boycotting yourself. Or oh, self-sabotage. Yeah, self-sabotage. We will sit there and talk ourselves out of something yes. before even trying yeah, it. It's very it. common. But that made me grow stronger when I overcame this. Okay. That's this I tell you. Even if I have my moments where I think, what am I doing here? And, but, no. Yeah. Okay, so so I'm interested because uh, you're one of the few gallerists that I've talked to who are reasonably new. Mm -hmm. Actually, most of the galleries I've been talking to are a lot more established. I've been around for decades. Mm -hmm. I've even talked to some that have been around for forty years. Yes. So, I'm interested. So you are very contemporary, and you're just starting out. So, what were some of the the issues of, of starting a brand new gallery? I mean, how do you how did you even decide photography to be your mm -hmm. focus? One of the main reasons I decided photography is because I was the field I was feeling more comfortable with. Uh, well, it's one of my passions, so I found it just natural to go and support it. It's him. one of the most difficult things to sell. That's it, exactly. I mean, it's a gallery in Barcelona where the market is close to non-existent. We are brand new. We don't come from a heritage uh, family gallery, so no support, no market, new, no, no collector's base at all. I mean, it was like, if I'm going to do curators. it, I'm going to do it with the most difficult thing. And then we'll see. You, know? yeah. <laughs> you really set yourself up with yeah. all the difficulties of the yeah. entire art industry. I'm aware of it. I'm aware of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, passion is there. So as long as it's there, we're going to move forward. Okay. So you chose photography. As mm -hmm. I said, I, I'm a photographer. Mm -hmm. That's my background. So like, I get it. It's a tough industry to sell yes, people don't like buying editions they don't trust it that's right so like so I, i'm looking around just at least the, the stuff you have here in the fair and it seems like you're utilizing photography as a foundation but these pieces that you seem to be putting out mostly are still mm -hmm. more one-of-a-kind pieces with a photography as its sort of fundamental core that's it that's we started with uh, only photography and now we are pivoting a bit around photography-based projects because there are, there are two things. On the one hand, most of the artists nowadays are multidisciplinary, so they are not only dealing with photography and there are many projects that include photography, but they also include performance, sculpture, videos, and then it would painting, be... Painting, printmaking paint, incorporations. Exactly. Yeah. And this was what made me think, okay, we, we shouldn't be close to that things and only show the, the photographs. But that would be silly because it would be out of context. So photography-based projects or really only photographers that are doing something special with photography because, I mean, yeah, nowadays with photography is a bit tricky because they all say everyone's a photographer with their smartphones, what I don't agree with because I think everyone can make take photos or take pictures or make photos or whatever you see but not everyone's a photographer thank you I, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate hearing that from somebody else because i say that all the time mm -hmm. and i sound i feel like i sound like a horrible snob when i say it no. but i'm happy somebody else is saying it's I, great I, I don't feel it's snobby i mean one uh, uh, it's totally snobby. It, I, once a woman and well, came to the gallery and was watching the exhibition observing and say these are photographs yeah and they are for sale yes yeah but what if i take my phone and i take a picture of it and then i have it and i said go and do it i mean you're not the target anyway because if you're thinking like that 
you you're not considering what's behind this project the, the all the work that's behind uh, what well, but quite art, honestly, you could say that about a painting. Like supporting or art, else. it is. I mean, yeah. So starting off, you said you said photography. I'm mm -hmm. going to work with photography. Tell me some pros and cons, some positives and negatives, some some things you've learned that you did not foresee with entering that industry and that market. Okay. Well, as I told you, I read a lot uh, before I started, so I was expecting most of the things that have been happened like not selling for long periods and this kind of things yeah, so how i you, had how my backup you, i was <laughs> to gonna say them. how yeah did mm -hmm. you create a financial support network yeah. backup whatever to make it so you could withstand that's, that's these right, yeah. lulls yeah it was it was the only the only way because actually i don't have any super known photographers that you can say well this is gonna sell and i can support the gallery with him and then the rest are because i really think that they're worth uh, promoting but we are all new i mean so most of the of the artists that i'm exhibiting is their first exhibition so because i don't know maybe again not, not self-sabotage but just uh, undermining yourself a bit i thought well if i'm starting a new i can i can do it with new artists that are not that they also need this support so we're gonna support each other's and this is one of the the things I'm most happy about the gallery is that with all artists we are like a family, like an artistic family. We support okay. each other very well. And so, and currently, how many artists are you? Now it's ten. Ten. Yeah. Okay. And it's not gonna grow more than that. I mean, right. I, no. now I'm gonna have to look if uh, well, I continue with some of them or how how we are rearranging well, the and portfolio. And, and, and that starts to lend to the question of like, how do you choose them? Okay, then it depends. Uh, because when we started the gallery, that's a, that's a curious, funny thing, a funny story to tell. We started with three artists, and one like two weeks after the the opening of the of the gallery, they called me from a art fair in in Paris. I, I wanted to participate because I really like what you have, and I said like, how could you have seen anything if we, we've done no promotion nothing no that's just a an email they send to everybody no, that has no, a no. gallery in their name no actually no they had talked to another gallery who participated the previous year had now the thing it, it was in paris the year after the uh, the terrorist attack. Yeah, paris photo no well it was photo fever that's okay. the like the and the the thing was that the previous year the attacks happened that weekend right so many many galleries had lost lots lost lots of money because um, no one was going to art fairs sure well nobody was or going did, to paris no 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 one no one was going out home because that happened on a friday night so for the whole weekend it was a ghost art fair yeah yeah so many decided not to go there afterwards so they were trying to fill up the space i guess well and then it, i felt completely unprepared because on my Business plan, going to international affairs was something I knew I had to do it and I wanted to do it. And one was one of the reasons I wanted to be a gallerist, just to go around the world. But I didn't feel prepared to do it like one month later. And then I had like this angel and the devil just, yes, go. No, how can you go? And I decided that just let's do it. And it was like a master's in, in gallerism. It was learning by doing. But... I did. I, I only had two artists, and that's the the two that I brought to the fair. You don't need and more than two. No, that's fine. That's fine. And then yeah, and we sold, so it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but back to the question yes. of how do you select do the I artists? Select that you, and I also have then the, like a leading question beyond that, which is: Do you do exclusivity, non-exclusivity, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera? So like yeah. basically the idea of if somebody listening to this podcast was an artist mm -hmm. and they want to approach a gallery, not necessarily your gallery, mm -hmm. but like a gallery, what, what works, what doesn't work? How, how, so how do you do it as an example? For me at the beginning, as I say, uh, I didn't have many artists. So what I did is like the projects I fell in love with. I followed the artists for a while and finally contact them and offered them the possibility always presenting me myself as a humble gallery that was starting if they would agree to to participate most of the answers were positive so i'm very glad for that and then it was they were like projects that had something and not only beautiful photographs but the story behind the concept and uh, okay wait i've got a question under that mm -hmm. 
do you when you were looking at an artist to potentially represent do you look at their cvs do you look at their artist statements and how much of an impact Hardly. do those things have on your decisions of course it's usually the first thing you see so it's like the the visiting card but then well in my case i do have one major role in my gallery is that i only want to work with people i get along good with so and this is a common thing i hear about which mm -hmm. is relationships 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 so then uh after i've seen something interesting or i met someone who has told me yeah just check out this and so i would get in contact with them without telling at the beginning it was very easy because no one knew that i was a gallerist or that i had a gallery so i would approach flying the under person, the radar yeah and then listening how how they behave how what they explain and and then on a second or third uh time conversation yeah would you like to well actually i am a gallerist would you like to now it's a bit different because i get more and more uh, uh, portfolios to review sure uh but yeah which, then... which lends to the question does that ever work like does somebody emailing you a portfolio does that ever actually translate to you representing them there are you know there are many ways of sending a portfolio so let's say from 100 portfolios i receive i at the beginning, I tried to look at all of them, but what, till I started to receive portfolios on sculpture and painting, which meant that the people didn't, didn't take the research. look yeah. uh, at the gallery's website to, to see if it could fit or not. So there's one very interesting thing. It's to approach personally and with a bit of background of, I've seen what you've done. I really like that exhibition. Only that you that you show a little care of what uh, whom you are approaching mm -hmm. because... Otherwise, yeah, hey, here's my portfolio. Please check it out. Sorry, I, I, I don't lose my time with that. On the other hand, if there's someone who approached and with a reason and, and I, I think you're, you could find my work interesting for that, that and that because I've seen what you have and it could match, it could fit, then I, I, I do I do open the email. Yeah, you at least whatever. open the yeah. email. Okay, yes. well, that's fair. Mm -hmm. But 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 has any of that ever translated? So literally, is there mm -hmm. any artist that you currently represent or mm -hmm. have represented that emailed you? One. One. Yes. Okay. So ten percent yes. success. Got mm -hmm. it. All mm -hmm. right. Well, it's good to know. I mean, this is one of those things. Like mm -hmm. because the reason why I keep asking this kind of stuff is be throughout the podcast is because I'm a professor and I'm teaching the next generation. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the students are asking me, Hey, how do I get a gallery? Now my teacher said email portfolios mm -hmm. around. So like I grew up, I'm of the generation that I believe mm -hmm. that submitting that way works. Yes. And I've now realized through this podcast that it completely does not work. It is well, not the right way to approach a gallery at all. You have to think about it. If, I had to, I mean, this is one woman business. And if I had to spend all day long just watching the portfolios I receive it. Well, you'd I, be doing my job. I do portfolio reviews for I, lens culture. I wouldn't like, have any pay me to time left for, for selling art. So I have to, I mean, you have to be a bit methodic and say, okay, I don't do that exactly. But Mondays from 10 to 11, I'm going to have the time to review what I've received the previous week. And then... Yeah, you have to select because you have a certain amount of time. And that's how. Maybe I'm missing something interesting. Could be. But, you know, presentation and form is, is also important. I mean, right. you are contacting, you're contacting someone because you want him or her to sell your art. So would you approach him at a fair and say, hey, here, I, I do have here a, a couple of pictures. Would, would you take a look at that? Oh, you people do it do all that. the time. So... That's People do it all the time, though. Yes. Well, I, see, I find, okay, yeah, this is an interesting one because I go to art fairs reasonably frequently, and I find that there are a lot of artists that think that the art fairs are the best time to have access to these Not people that they'll all. never. <laughs> and they're like, ooh, I can share my portfolio. I can show my. That is the worst time. Like, Indeed. I can't tell you how many people I meet as a visitor to an art fair, and I don't remember 99.9% .9 of their names, mm -hmm. much less anything about them. So the idea that an artist should be approaching a gallery at an art fair is a bad idea. No, an, an artist that goes to an art fair should check out which galleries could hear her approach yeah, it's doing research. afterwards. It's doing exactly. research is all it should be. And, and then contact the galleries. But when you go to an art fair, I, I don't know if, if, if students are aware how much it costs to a gallery to go to an art fair. So when you're there, 
even if you're happy that people come over to see you, it's like first thing is you you want to break even because otherwise you you're you're gonna lose all the money you've invested there. And it's not only the money; it's also, I mean, I'm a very sensitive person, and I think always, oh, poor artist, he's gonna think I'm so bad because I haven't sold anything. And but I have the the luck that that my artist thing the other way around. Oh, poor her, she wasn't able to sell anything. Now she's gonna be broke, and then and I'm not gonna have a gallery exhibiting me anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it happens. Mm That's it. So, so when a when an artist comes with a portfolio, a galleries just just try to um, yeah fake that they have a lot of things. They to just do. say thank you. They take it. I mean, because I mean, that, it, yeah. it's time is money at an mm-hmm. art fair. I mean, okay. any any amount of time that they spend, a, a gallerist spends talking to an artist who is not going to. Yeah, that's not them earning money. That's not them making a new connection to a curator or and, a collector or that, an institution. You don't. You don't. You're not in the mood for that. I mean. I like to watch, uh, take a look at portfolios, relax, and yeah, having the coffee, time to read, and so that's yeah. it. And if possible, then with the artist and discuss it, and I have much more of it if this way. In the middle of an art fair, where you don't know if one people or ten people are going to be around the, the booth, just... And you don't know if any of them are collectors or curators or somebody that instead of spending your time talking to an artist, you could be spending your time actually benefiting your your business as also. well as your artist careers exactly so for all the artists that are listening to this podcast please do not approach galleries at art fairs it is bad idea continuing on with the whole thing about artists and representation yes. one of the things i'm always interested in mm-hmm. is the trend in the towards exclusivity non-exclusivity mm-hmm. so how do you do this as i told you when i started and i felt that i was a newbie and, and i couldn't expect to you're still a newbie I'm you'll be a newbie new, for like seven more years that's at the least thing. that's the thing and without a solid collector base then i felt that i couldn't tell the artist yeah i tag you exclusively because i'm gonna sell everything from you so we base on a commission basis and then if we are doing an exhibition of a series of works in in the gallery then i have the exclusivity of that series for one year okay and and then they can also move it around. Basically. Have you had any instances of uh, artists selling out of their studios in this kind no, of stuff? No, and I think this is one of the the things that um because of of this uh, super relationship that we have with the artists. I well, the, I have had artists that have wrote to me. Hey, uh, someone contact me, but I just gave your contact because it has to go through a gallery. And that is very good of them, mm-hmm. very professional that's of them. Right. And that's what, why we are still working together. So you're currently here at Positions Art Fair, mm-hmm. So you and you mentioned the Paris Art Fair that you participated in. So one thing I always wonder about is how do galleries choose what art fair to participate mm-hmm. in? This is very interesting because the art fairs business is also a very special one. In like almost everything in life, there are like different categories. So there are like the big ones, the big art fairs where the big things are. I'm talking about contemporary art now. We're only talking about contemporary art. Yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, there are also like ancient masters, affairs, and so on. Yeah, the moderns and things like that. Sure. No, no. Yeah. yeah. When I say art fair, I generally Mm -hmm. mean contemporary art fair. And then usually around these major art fairs, there are like these satellite art fairs that are also supporting the environment. And then there there are like what I call vanity art, art fairs, which are like for galleries that, well, I mean, conditions are okay, but... If you ever want to make a career as a serious gallery and look forward to be at a major fair one day, participating in those fairs, it's um, a minus point. Really? So then it's very difficult to select. And, and then you have to well, do a lot of research and talk to other galleries who have been there, who have been somewhere. I have talked to many galleries who have told me, yeah, I did that fair and... It doesn't even appear on my website because I, well, I'm never gonna go there again, and I don't want people to know that I was there. So, something like that. And then, in my case, there's also the the division between contemporary art fairs and exclusive photography art fairs. 
Right. Yeah. Which is different for you mm -hmm. because the, that, you know, versus a lot of other galleries that carry multiple different disciplines, mm -hmm. you do have the sort of, let's call it luxury, but also sort of double-edged sword That's of it. the additional mm -hmm. opportunities of, yeah. a, of photo based art. photography fairs. market, it's quite different from contemporary art market. And yeah, then you have to, well, we are trying, we are at the beginning, so we are trying what works best for us and we just go and... Do you, do you find, have you gone to a photo fair? Yes, this one in Paris. Okay. We've done it three times. Okay. So, well, since you've done it three times, it probably answers my question, which was, do you feel that using, having artwork that's not pure traditional photography is accepted by the photography market? Well, when we go to these fairs, we present more photographic... Yeah, oh, so yeah, you, you have to, you have to play. Taylor, yeah, you have to gotta play the game, huh? That's it. That's it. I mean, what we are bringing here at the positions in this case, it's mixed media. This we could not bring it into that fair, or okay. I, I wouldn't dare. So I don't the, know if okay. I could, but I wouldn't dare. And here, there is photography, but but in contemporary art fairs, like people tend to just look first at the paintings. I know. Because a photograph is that art. And, uh, I know. And then, it saddens me as a photographer. It yeah. sort of hurts my soul. But, I mean, but on the other hand, it is nice that there are literally photo fairs. Mm -hmm. So yeah, of we already have our sort of outlet. Mm -hmm. Why do we need to in, you know, exactly. infect the fine arts world when we have our own little well, world infection, to live in? I, I wouldn't call it an infection. I mean, and thinking, it's art in the end. So uh, it's that depends fair on enough, who you talk to. But yeah, that's it. That's the point. Yeah, so, not everybody sees it that way. That's it. That's it. I mean, of course, I do. I mean, that's, lots of you know. pedagogy to do in this sense. But okay, so when you're choosing an artist, so like not just like general. So like when you choose, what are some of the qualities, characteristics that you're seeking in mm -hmm. an art fair, and what do you try to intentionally stay away mm -hmm. from in an art? Yeah, well, there are there are different things to take into account because one is the art fairs you would like to go. And then there are the ones you can afford to go and the ones where you would eventually be selected for. So it's not that I'm saying I'm going to this fair and, and, and I pay and that's it because there are multiple factors that what I try right. to... So, well, but in, within that, the, so you're saying that art fairs, it's not always about what you want to go there. Exactly. Oftentimes there are judging criteria. Yes, there are ju there's, there's things where they select that's it. the people. So even if you want to be there, exactly, that doesn't mean you can be exactly. there. Exactly. And it occurred to me also being selected, had presented like a, a project with two artists. And then they told me, but maybe another artist instead of this one because this one will love it wait but they actually gave you feedback so mm -hmm. like you made a submission not always yeah not all the fairs but i i, I, I yeah I this is one of that. my big huge mm -hmm. pet peeves about the art world which is like for instance let's say i write a grant proposal or i write a residency proposal as so back to being mm -hmm. an artist or i submit to a gallery i simply get yes or no but what I what we never get, and it's I would assume this is with gallery, mm -hmm. is feedback about mm -hmm. what we did wrong so yeah. we can do better. Well, we we never receive feedback after the fair. And the, the main feedback is you sold it or not. But but this was in the selection pro process. Well, but yeah. even the, the mm -hmm. fact that you're getting some feedback yeah. in the selection process is pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, that, that's not normal. Mm -hmm. And well, then it ha it has happened, and and then there are other applications I've sent where where I never received an answer, but uh, you haven't been selected, okay? Yeah, yes and, or no, and yes or no. And you have to take into account artists. Each application costs you money that you never get refund, even if you're not selected. So it's like, uh, yeah, it's like depending on the fare. I and did not know that it is like that, and is this is to let's say. Uh, to cover the cost of this jury selecting because uh, there is supposed to be an artistic direction or comedy that selecting. I've been to fairs where uh, clearly there wasn't and then I was a bit angry. But then there are these fairs where no one asks you what you're gonna what you're gonna put on the walls, hang on the walls, and then you see uh, like this kind of uh, mixed. Uh, these are the kinds of fairs I don't like. Those are your vanity fairs that, that you're talking that's about. What I, yeah, that's what I call so, vanity So the fairs. idea of a vanity fair would be a, a fair that basically if you have enough money exactly. that you can participate, mm -hmm. period. And so, that's it, yeah. Yeah, okay. Interesting. But this, this also 
this also influences your prestige as a gallery in the long term. So talking about prestige, going back to the artist and the CV and the mm-hmm. and the artist statements, I, I'm a huge like I'm learning every single time I talk to somebody about like when I <laughs> me I come from academia, mm-hmm. so like in academia when you do your CV, you do the entire CV. So my CV is currently nine pages yeah, long. It's a book. It, is, it, is, it is the most pompous, like arrogant thing mm-hmm. I've ever produced in my life because it's yeah. my entire life work mm-hmm. sure. in nine pages, and it's good for you to have it, right? No, but no nobody else wants it. Because, I mean, you are what you've done in the last few years, or it's the feeling you're getting. Well, well, basically, everybody just wants, you know, give me the highlights in one page. Mm. Yeah. Nobody wants a nine-page CV. Nobody wants the massive everything. But this is everywhere in human resources now nowadays. I mean... not Well, but that's not in academia. Mm. In academia, they want the the 10, 20-page round. Mm. They want want to know everything, and they will scrutinize every little thing you've ever done. It's quite annoying. Mm -hmm. But that's why I'm not... I'm trying to work my way out of academia okay. <laughs> over time here mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, so so in the art world like even if you have a three-page cv mm-hmm. galleries I... don't want it they just want a one page give me best of but it's not even a best of it's a most recent i do work with uh, emerging artists so they don't have these long cvs so i haven't had the problem so far right. but i mean when you look at other cvs like mm-hmm. but but and what i'm finding most interesting because like when I think of a CV being an idiot, the academic who's not participating in the art worlds, is that they, I imagine you want to do like a highlights, a mm-hmm. best of. Like sure. this is my most, my greatest show that I had mm-hmm. 20 years ago. But that's not really what people want these days. Mm-hmm. They want best of in the last five years. Yes, because that, that defines better your state of the art in the art world like your position right. i mean if you sold a lot or did many exhibitions 20 years ago but now you haven't been moving forward or upwards or mm, whatever you call it then mm. see that and, and it's what's interesting this is how i've ended up mm-hmm. basically doing this podcast because i moved to the middle east now okay. in we're living in the middle east i do figurative work mm-hmm. so for the time that i spent in the middle east I could not exhibit or I potentially mm-hmm. could have been thrown in prison and lost my job and been deported okay. and all this stuff. So I have this massive gap in my mm-hmm. career of about six years. Use that, it to, to your favor well, and create a cool story oh around no, it. I, I, <laughs> I made work the whole time mm-hmm. I was there. So I have six years worth yeah. of artwork ready to exhibit mm-hmm. that – uh, but unfortunately, my CV says that I've been vacant for six years, that I've been completely out of the art world for is six years. Is this something you have to explain a gallerist? And if he, se- he or her is sensitive enough, they're going to take it as an opportunity instead of a, of a but yeah, but th- so like, lack of well, well, maybe, But there are other people's issues that might come in. Like, what, what if um, somebody has a child and, mm-hmm. they, you yeah, know, exactly. and so they simply just aren't making work mm-hmm. for a while and then they want to come back in? But and- even, even the most prolific artists have periods where they uh, have a lack of inspiration or, I mean, it's life. And uh, we're talking human beings. Artists are human beings, even if they don't like sometimes. So No, we're not. I don't I, know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. This is something I I'm not one of these big super galleries that may see that as a problem. Okay. So, Give it time. Ten years from now, you're gonna see. Yeah, it as where a we problem. talk again, yeah, and yeah. then yeah, you'll you'll <laughs> see it as a problem then. Okay, but the then artist statements. I'm mm-hmm. utterly fascinated by artist statements. I hate writing them. I to a certain extent I hate reading them as a general whole, but it's my job. Mm-hmm. Like through doing portfolio reviews, that I have to read these things. What do you think about them? How important are they? Yeah, that's that's a very good question because this is once a photographer told me because I always ask for the artist statement just to read it. Everybody see, and it's does. Like all I, everything I have to say, I say it through my works and writing about them, it's so difficult to me. I, I when, when I was in college, I think, yeah, I was in college and somebody asked me, oh, please write a one-page mm-hmm. artist statement. So I, I wrote in very large font that took up the whole mm-hmm. page. Um, if I wanted to be a, if I wanted to write about my photographs, I would have been a writer. Yeah, fair enough. That's it. So for me, artist obviously, I did not receive that award. <laughs> just so you know, no, artist for me have to be short 
and precise and straight from the heart. And that's that's okay, it. Okay, so that's not enough. pompous. Don't don't no. quote Freud or Kant or I mean, any of these kinds of things. Pro- don't use Latin phrases. No, no, no. no. That's that's too pompous and. I'm we from academia. We're all about pompous. I, I get that, but we are a new generation of galleries who are uh, much more straightforward, and I'm I'm targeting an audience that doesn't feel comfortable with this kind of language. I do because I've studied and so on, but but I don't need it. And you can exact rephrase the exact the same thing without being like three sentences. And right. So sub- so approachable, engaging, mm-hmm. emotive, yeah, uh, express. I mean, don't, don't but, make a, a copy like an Instagram either, but you know, there's a, there's something in between that can be, you know, which a lovely segue for it. How about social media? Well, that's a, that's a that's have you used it? Do you use it? Is he successful? How does it work for I you? I do use them. I don't know if in the best possible way, Nobody knows the best that's, possible that's way, poor, except for the people that work there. No, but I know some galleries who are entirely online, so they rely a lot on them. And I guess they have a good social media professionals backing up. To, backing up so my gallery is uh, doing your own, so <laughs> I do my own social media as well, as good as I can. Um, okay, yeah. well, within social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, Twitter the less. And nowadays it's mostly Instagram. What about your own website? We have a website. Okay. Um, little tiny little detail. Do you put prices on the website? Uh, no. There, there's a contact the gallery link. Okay. There. Just wondering because there's a there's a debate about whether there or not, is. like artists or galleries should put prices we online or not. We don't have it on the website, but we have been in Artsy, and it, well, we are in. Yeah, the prices are there. And prices are well, you can hide them too, okay. but I had them open, so yeah. Well, there, and there's also Saatchi art. Saatchi art, this. yeah. Uh, I had some artists who were selling through Saatchi art, and we are now we are not an artsy anymore. Now just for the fair, and we are in Artsbird. That's a kind of similar platform from France, and that's uh, what we okay. do. Now. I'm interested. Has though have those outlets been successful for you? In uh, my case, artsy wasn't. Okay, and it was a. Um, big investment for us for the gallery and then last year I decided okay I tried this for a year because it's always a long-term thing and well I do one less fair and I tried this platform oh my gosh it was that different the, like the the price of an art fair is as similar to the price of a gallery being on at artsy mm, well yeah depending on the fair and depending on that and uh, for for a for a for a small gallery like mine, I have no I idea. Mean, I know, I know, I know the resources I and I have to to allocate them as I find my best, and and then I well it it didn't succeed, and then I think the same if if people don't know the the artists and so on and. You are only like this very small fish in that big ocean that's well, artsy. Not, not, not only that. I mean, so like there's, let's say, Saatchi and Artsy mm. and Artnet and all these other yeah, ones. Yeah, that's But I mean, A, each of those databases are massive. That's it. First. But then the issue becomes that there are a large sum, a large quantity of those websites. Mm-hmm. So is, That's always the, the thing. Which one should I try? Yeah. And... In the end, I was a bit of, okay, Artsy, we're not doing anymore. Artsburg, we were there before and we have sold through them. So I decided to continue there. And then you receive always offers from other ones. Always. It's like, yeah, but do you know how, what amount of, of, of work it means to be repeating everything in every platform all the time? And having to come up with new, like little hashtags or tags for searchable reasons mm-hmm. and, i mean it's the, what the what these with these websites these these outlets don't understand is is that we don't have the time to do all exactly. of this crazy exactly. stuff just to be able to like sell a whatever priced mm-hmm. piece hopefully mm-hmm. maybe sometime in the future i mean the, the they it's sort of like the way I feel about it as a practicing artist, I feel like what those online galleries are doing is they're they're replacing the the 
job of the gallery. Mm-hmm. But but in doing that, they're handing the work the, 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 the back to I mean, the I, artist. I, I have, but now I have to do more work. Exactly. So it, okay, it, it allows me to be out in the world in a way that's supposedly going to put me on, a, on an upper position. But in the end, this didn't happen. And I had all the work of putting every, all the whole catalog of the gallery online. And that's a massive amount of work. Yeah, it is. And I, well, I don't have it integrated. So I had to do it for my website, for one platform, for the other platform. <laughs> for then in social media, just choosing what you want to present. And I just put one piece on mm-hmm. Saatchi. And I had such a bitch of a time because <laughs> the color space that they use mm-hmm. is completely different than the color oh, space okay. i use and so every time I, I had to upload it like 12 times mm-hmm. to try and figure out what color space they use so that the colors rendered correctly because my colors of my pieces mm-hmm. are very specific sure. and it looked like mud okay. when i uploaded it to their <laughs> their thing like all mm-hmm. the saturation all the vibrance was all yeah. gone and so just that amount of time and energy that I had to waste in trying to figure this crap out was very annoying to the point that I just stopped uploading. Mm. I was like, I'm not doing this because if I have to figure this out for every single piece that I upload, it's just too time consuming for no literal sort of like, not even a guarantee, but even a prospect of a sale. So that's why I decided, okay, I tried for one year and I think it's a, for a three years old gallery, one year it's a, it's Quite a lot. A lot. It's thirty yeah. percent of your life. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, well, it didn't work. I I don't know. Maybe for others, work straight away. I don't know. I don't want to think that my things were so bad that no one wanted to have them because I don't think I have no that idea they, how it this works. is the reason. And I've heard of people selling pieces on uh, what did they sell it through Saatchi for mm-hmm. thirty thousand euros. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but. I've never seen that kind of, but of course I'm a photographer, mm-hmm. so like photography doesn't matter. Not, maybe it, maybe it's medium specific. I think this is one of the reasons. Photography is not the first medium the people looks at it when they want to search for art. Uh, well, we have no 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 big names like I don't know all the galleries that were selling Renhang last year were selling like crazy. It's not our case, so no problem. But again, I mean. It, it wasn't worth it, like the, the balance of time spent in it with the, with the results. So we decided to quit. So, okay. And, and leading that back to social media. Mm-hmm. So like how much time and effort and energy do you put into social media? And have you seen any amount of results? I mean, social media are, for us, are very good when we have exhibitions and openings just to get them known luckily so people can come and, and hear about them and right so but on. one thing that I, like a, a an illusion that people have mm-hmm. about social media in the arts is is that i put a piece of art online and it, somebody buys it mm-hmm. yeah that would be great does Hasn't, that happen? Ha- has never happened to me yet right. and i rarely ever hear mm-hmm. i mean i i have heard of once or twice where that i, does I know happen. some i know some people yeah. who have sold through instagram right yeah this is happening and, and I've met and I've had collectors mm-hmm. find me and I've had clients. I'm a photographer, so I've had clients hire me mm-hmm. because they saw my work. But we've had collectors coming to the gallery because they have they were coming to Barcelona. They were doing research and then they came to the gallery because they had seen it. Right. So it's not an A to B. So it's not That's like it. put an artwork up, you get a sale. It's more of an A to B to C to the D. The day it happens, sort of like you'll be the first through. one to know about it, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, well, but, it, it does but, happen. But one, there's one other thing. It's that. The more an artwork is exposed to the world, the more chances uh, for someone to buy it. So using social media has not really done the direct sort of sales, you know, mm-hmm. image to sales kind of thing. And that's fine. It's okay. It's, it's good for building a community of followers that are aware that we are there and, and they're joining the openings. And, and as I said, some collectors that were traveling to Barcelona found out. What I was about to ask is like, has it helped with collectors? Has it helped with curators and institutions and things like this? Definitely, yes. Yeah. Because, yeah, you can do mailings and you can send invitations, but you never really know. Wait, you still do mailings and invitations? No. No, no, I've never done that. No, but I know that from other galleries. Right. So I decided from the beginning that I what I would do is like, uh, social media. What we have a mailing list where Facebook we send our newsletter and face, uh, newsletter and Facebook events and yeah, 
this kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, because I, I used to work in galleries and we used to do the whole mailing list thing, mm -hmm. print out the labels, like mm -hmm. mail it at the right time so it arrives early enough for them to be able to do yeah, it, but well, not the, late enough. No, not that exact. I mean, we, we send it and, and we hope. <laughs> it, I mean, as I told you, there are probably better ways to do it, but we do it as we can and and it's okay for so far so, so far yeah yeah, yeah the, the the subscribers are growing every month and the followers too so maybe we're not doing that bad either so the thing is yeah only time will tell on that that's it it's 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 putting on the, in the balance how much time you want to invest in that and money if you want to and how much in in other things so as i told you i try to to divide my time as I find it appropriate to, to find this balance. Mm, moving forward, where, where do you, like, you know, you hope and dream that the gallery will, will go to X hope or dream that you have, which I don't know what it is. So mm -hmm. and that doesn't matter. <laughs> what are the kinds of steps that you take to try and achieve these kinds of things? So it doesn't even matter what the goal is, but it's mm -hmm. like, how can you get bigger? How can you get more collectors? Like collect collectors, mm -hmm. curators, institutions. Yes. Like these are these these the the unicorns mm -hmm. dancing on the rainbows that we can barely ever like find, yeah. and they're very difficult. No one to... ever knows if they really exist, and this kind of thing. Right? Well, and that's <laughs> sort of my point is like they're, they're very difficult to connect with, and then even more difficult to continually foster that relationship and, and build the a relationship and all this. Like, so what have you been doing to try and expand in that direction well attending fairs is one of the things because there are many going around that you might not even know or they, you don't know how they do it they do look like and, and they're not the ones dressed in beautiful shoes no, and great outfits so they, they, they're the, the and, ones going below the they, radar yeah so if they start conversation with you then it's always interesting because that means that something that you have uh, has caught their eye and and then from them, you build up the relationship with emails, informing them about you do, the new artists you have. Maybe yeah, each curator, for instance, has like a different focus of interest. So yeah, this I think it could fit if you're thinking about an exhibition or preparing something. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of uh, human relationships involved in the art world. Right, which is something that constantly comes up, mm -hmm. which is, it's back to like the submitting your portfolio online via email, like it's not going to work. Mm -hmm. what, what works is if you walk in the gallery, you meet somebody, you have a personal connection, you have yes. a whatever, or a collector recommends an artist to you or yes, a, exactly. or a artist who you represent mm -hmm. recommends another and, artist and even, to you. Even if you have a super relationship with an artist, it doesn't mean that you're going to exhibit it his work or her work just because it, it has to has to fit in and you have to see what now at the beginning let's say it was easier because it, what i fell in love with was what i was exhibiting and now this is one of the rules of course but then i try that it's not very similar to something i do already have because then it would be like uh, competing against each other and this is not what i want which is an interesting question because i've actually asked this of other galleries too and not everybody gives me good answers, but when you're when a when an artist is looking for a gallery to represent them, should they be looking for a gallery that carries work like what they do, or should they be looking for a gallery that seems to have a hole in their roster that you believe that that, that you can fill mm -hmm. for them? I think this is a very difficult thing to know beforehand because I don't know. Uh, let's think about a gallery that sells, uh, I don't know, street art, graffitis in black and white and green or something like that. And if there, it's an artist that has been growing and, and selling more and more, then the prices are getting higher and higher. So maybe the gallery is interested in someone who has something similar, but with a known voice that they can sell to those who can afford anymore to buy the the other one. So right. In this case, it would be okay because it, there would be an opportunity there. Others like might decide, no, if I do already have these, I want something different because I don't want to be repeating myself. It's a, it's a very subjective decision of the galleries and it's very difficult to know beforehand. So. Well, and like when it comes to like 
editing who you exhibit and what pieces you mm-hmm. exhibit, things like this. This is also an issue because yes. I can't tell you like, okay, my entire career goes like this. I'll make a whole series of work and I will choose the works that I love that I'm like, oh my God, I You're think more this attached is, to that, well, or, but, or just aesthetically pleasing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. But I love it. And then I will put together a portfolio with the I loves first mm-hmm. and the I just need to fill up the portfolio at the end, but yep. they're maybe not my strongest. Mm-hmm. Now, every single time I do this, the ones that I absolutely love, nobody fucking cares about. And the ones that I just threw in at the end mm-hmm. are the ones that everybody buys. Yeah. Well, Why? But yeah. The, if I knew that, uh, this happened to me also at fairs, the ring to artists, to Paris, for instance, and saying, well, I'm choosing this because for Paris, this is going to be like the right thing. And then sure. we bring another one, different enough not to show the same thing. And the one you thought it will be great, Never, nobody cares. Yeah, and then right. the other starts selling. This. I mean, if we had this this magic key to the magic to eight know, ball, the magic, the one, well, yeah, yeah, I love those things. everybody will be using it. So it's. Well, I mean, have you noticed any sort of trick about, or not trick, but like any sort of way that is like i'm sure at some point a gallerist or a curator or whatever they can they can prognosticate the future they can sort of be like okay as much as as much as i love this piece and i think it's Mm -hmm. stunning i do not believe this one's going to go over well Mm -hmm. like they have some experience or some knowledge that they've gotten over Uh, the years my case for instance in in my gallery i know where the attention focus are like when people yeah, go which wall in, is the one which that wall is one, and, and there you put then the things either the U.S. galleries like the most or the biggest one or whatever just to catch the eyes attention, right? And then you put other ones. It it depends. I, I always do the setting uh, together with the artist. I mean the setting, the setup, uh, yeah, plan, yeah, together with the artist because and especially in photography because many times the series are so so big that we cannot exhibit the whole series so telling a photographer that has already discarded hundreds of features to, to downsize it once again it's very difficult yeah but yeah you have to find a balance and then in, there was one one exhibition where my favorite picture was an exhibit because it it didn't it's it was too outstanding towards the others and it didn't fit it just simply didn't fit and yeah but we had it in our in our storage where right. in, the, in the in the back door in the back room and yeah, we had it there to show and did anybody buy that no <laughs> and this is that yeah. thing that i keep wondering well, I, about I, i'm glad they didn't because i wanted so for you me. keep it for your collection <laughs> there you go so so it worked out yeah. in some way in some way all right, so let's sort of wrap this up a little mm-hmm. bit. So I've got two final questions that sure. I ask everybody. You've mm-hmm. listened to the podcast, yes. so I think you know some of these questions. But the first one is basically just sort of some advice, some some learning experience that you've gone through that you could assist somebody who's listening in particular. So you're a gallerist, so talking to other gallerists. Mm-hmm. Or you could even talk to artists or curators, whatever. But an experience that you had that you could either try and people uh, encourage people to avoid because you learned from it or try and steer them in a direction. And one of, I mean, the main thing for me is that whatever you do, you do it with passion and enthusiasm because otherwise this is a long-term career, a long-term race. And if not, you fail. So have a financial backer or some saved money. I mean, there are all kinds of, of galleries here there are the ones that they have the gallery as a as a hobby <laughs> they are the ones that have a partner that supports financially the family and then and then there are other ones but but i know very few emerging galleries that don't do other jobs uh, beside or don't have okay. other activities. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they've got to have a stable income, exactly. basically, because the arts is very unstable. As I told you, in my case, as I had done a lot of research and courses and so on, I knew what I could expect, so I I, I started like that. Maybe you're lucky the first... Uh, I, I was in a course at Sotheby's Art Institute, and we met that gallerist that uh, on the first exhibition ever sold everything 
And then, okay, these things happen, but not to me. So I have to keep on like the way but that, I can. But that, again, that's like the unicorn dancing on a rainbow. Mm. I mean, that's so rare. That's so it. rare. And, so and, of course that, and, that, and, and of course, that's going to end up being a book or a movie or whatever. Right. And it's going to be exactly. the thing in the public persona mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, we can just be an artist and have a first exhibition, sell everything like, like that person. Like in, We were talking to another gallerist here at the fair the other day. And it was like, yeah, after every fair, I just cry rivers because I haven't sold or I haven't sold enough and it costs so much money and then you have this and that but then one one week later you're but I found that artist and that's I mean art is our drug right and yeah there's the highs and the lows I mean when when you go to an art fair you're all excited and you're using all your endorphins Mm -hmm. and you're doing all this stuff and then usually there's like a crash when you leave an art fair where you're really depressed and you're like fuck I'm really depressed but I still have to send some really nice emails thanking people mm-hmm. and saying like, oh, it was great to meet you and keep up those relationships, even though I'm horribly depressed and I'm curled up in bed I mean, crying while writing this email. But it's I very hard it. when you go to a fair and you don't sell a single thing, what it has never occurred to me. I mean, at least we've sold something small or Knock something. Knock on wood, uh, wear some wood. And like, there's no wood. <laughs> wood. Uh, oh. Wood. Yeah, yeah, wood. But... But it is frustrating because you always want to sell more or whatever. But the thing is that then you talk to other gallerists and they all, absolutely all have gone through the same. At least the ones I talked to. I've never heard. I mean, it's very rare to hear of a gallery being super successful at the art fair. Because most of the act of an art fair is meeting people for future relationships. Exactly. And as a very young gallery, the thing is that Usually people, I mean, collectors who see you for the first time in a, in a, an art fair and, okay, they check you out or not. But if they see you then the next year and then the next year, they, oh, okay, that's that's serious. They're still there. Or then they see, like, they'll, they'll see an artist for the first time in an art fair. Then they'll go see an exhibition of theirs a year exactly. later and a year later after that. And, and then they'll start buying. I mean, even collectors don't, very rarely, I should say, collectors rarely buy on the spot just on the spot i mean they they do their research Mm -hmm. just as much as anybody else i mean it's it's doing each one does uh, their share of homework and and so it works yeah all right so my final question that i ask everybody you already know this so you have it prepared okay great so i don't need to do the whole spiel about it so some advice to help a visual artist in this case because because it's me um trying to get my piece in the museum of modern art in new york what what step can i do in that process have a gallery that really supports you and that has the contacts to get to the right curators that have influenced in this museum. Yeah, but it's it's, it's still not even going to be an A to B. It's mm-hmm. not going to be, I get a gallery, gallery gets me in MoMA. It's going to be, I get a gallery, gallery gets me to a curator, exactly. a curator get, maybe gets me to an institution, mm-hmm. that institution then introduces I mean, I, me to another never curator. Heard- that, that that uh, one artist the, the, the director of the museum x goes into a gallery says i want this for my museum no, yeah I mean, that there i mean museums are something serious i mean it cannot be only the opinion of one single person to put something on the wall uh, depends it on the shouldn't museum. be like that at depends least. on the museum yeah okay well i mean if it's a private museum you can put everything yeah anything private you museums want. can do whatever they want you're I, correct yeah, I, but I, was, it, I was talking public you know europe but you know uh but it even then, then you even if someone comes to the gallery buys something for a museum, they then the museum will have the work to convince everybody that this piece deserves this spot in the museum right, or right, this right. place in the collection. Keeping in mind, it's, you it's, are it's, a little it's, it's bit a, biased. It's an ecosystem, but you are a little bit biased, saying that artists need a, a, a gallery. I mean, you do run a gallery, so I yes, because I do run a gallery and. No, and I do run a gallery, and I know, and I, I know artists that sell through Instagram, and and they don't need that, but I don't think they're never make it to a museum. It, it's this kind of ecosystem. It's based on on career and prestige, and it's also on a on a on the common opinion that many actors have to have uh, about an artist and an artist's work. Yeah, I have this theory. I have this, it's a working theory. So help me out with it because I might get mm-hmm. it wrong. I believe that, like, so I'm trying to picture the idea of, like, what makes a, quote-unquote, successful artist, mm-hmm. okay? So not gallery, but, mm-hmm. but, I mean, gallery could relate to this. But so a, a, a artist has reached the sort of 
I, what I would call like the pinnacle of success if they have a success, a reputable gallery, mm -hmm. a reputable collector, a reputable curator, and I've even put in the fourth one of a reputable publisher. Definitely, if all yeah. four of those mm -hmm. people have basically sort of deemed an artist mm -hmm. whatever worthy of their yes, yes. their reputation to be deemed on them, that is the like the pinnacle. The, yeah. Those four four people mm -hmm. or, or businesses or whatever. If you can find all four all four of those, but the the key thing that I find most interesting is is that artists think it's one. We no, think, oh, if we get a gallery, it's never good. a single factor equation. It's, it's there's always. But is there the, another one? Can you, can you think of another? Or are those four all you can? Nothing. Those four are. Good? Yeah. This one. Yeah. Okay. Maybe in the future it's gonna be how many followers in your Instagram. I hope not. This this is wild. This has been the way for some artists to get into some galleries, but I haven't been following up how then the they succeed afterwards. So. I always wonder about that. You know, I mean, there's the there's the media that the, the media that sort of reports on mm -hmm. social media yeah. successes but like are they really like long-term successes or are they short-term yeah this is a good question and, and then it's like but i am sure that the art world is has going to change as any other industry or than yes. any other world so Evolve. maybe yeah maybe this is the future but i'm not sure of it thank you very much for your time Welcome. It was a pleasure. <laughs>